What's up, guys? This episode of the Champions Playbook is a super cool one. We talk about post-Ryder Cup reactions, as well as why you need to pick the equipment that looks the best to you, and even some parenting advice around what your kids need to be hearing from you guys in order to play the game at a high level. So um, super awesome podcast. Got a little something for everybody here. Uh, but also remember that Scott's book, his new book, Champions Playbook 2, named to be determined, is up for pre-order on his Instagram. If you guys go to his Instagram, that's Golf, two S's, two E's, and go click on the link in his bio, you'll get sent to a GoFundMe page for a pre-order of the book for $14.99. So there's a lot of freebies attached in that if you guys are one of the first to pre-order, so make sure you take advantage of the awesome deal that he's giving you guys. So I'm going to go ahead and turn this one over to me and Scott on the back porch of Franklin Bridge last week at 6.30. Hope you guys enjoy. There's no rules! Shoot a lower score! There's one rule! Welcome back. Oh, I should. You're right. Better. Now, welcome back to the back porch of Franklin Bridge, where we just had, I think, one of my uh, one of my favorite podcasts in a while, actually. Well, good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. That was a good we one. We went much longer on the front end. Yeah. Than we anticipated. So we talked about like our, well, I guess your proprietary stat, <laughs> BPNOP, Poa. Yeah, Poa. So uh, that's that was a big deal. We we took about like half the podcast. If you want to uh, listen to that, it's you know minute zero through minute fifteen, yep. roughly. And then <clears throat> the rest of the podcast, we talked about uh, why you shouldn't necessarily look at the WebMD of golf, which we call YouTube, and why you guys should be listening to. It's not just a plug for us, the Champions Playbook, but we like give you actual like kind of guidelines. Like if you want to search YouTube, this is what you need to be looking for. Don't look for you know super instructional stuff that goes really deep into the weeds. You want to look at like the general overviews of stuff and like you know how to execute shots rather than being like left foot needs to turn inward and arms need to be like that's just you don't need to be there you need to go see a professional if you want to go do that with that said keep listening keep watching out um we are going to publish this book no later than april 1 of next year um so pre-orders are going to start soon we've got to get the cover put together um we've got a couple different titles in the works that we're playing around with um but stay tuned that pre-order will be open uh, and it's going to be much cheaper. My my goal is to not price it higher than nine ninety nine. Love that, love that. Less than ten bucks, fifty pa- less than ten bucks, <laughs> less than ten bucks, uh, roughly fifty pages. Um, something you can tangibly do. Lots of diagrams. And here's the part I'm super stoked about. I didn't say this in the last one. Keep it quick. We got a Q and A to get to. I know. So there's going to be sections with uh, how we're actually going to do it will look different, but maybe QR codes that will actually take you to videos to more oh, dude. in depth, explain yeah. some of these concepts. Love so that. here we go, baby. Love that. All right. Well, All right. we are going to get into our live Q and a portion of tonight's podcast. So this is a super fun one. You guys know the deal by now, but if you don't, we call it Ash Sherlock thinking that Scott is the Sherlock of the golf world. So what we're going to do is have you guys come up to the microphone right here, talk right into it. And if you've got a question related to any field in the golf industry or your swing, thought process, whatever it might be, uh, now's the time to come and talk about it. So we'll open up the floor to the first question of the night. I thought we had number one. Do we have no- Yeah, we do. Love that. 
So get close to that thing. Like that? That good? Yeah, there you go. Okay. So, my first question, I might have multiple tonight, but uh, what is better, accuracy or distance? And which one is better to learn first? Uh, uh, accuracy or distance, which one should you learn the most or first? first. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was, it's like uh, uh, maybe golf is the perfect marriage of both. I, well, <laughs> no, I think it's cool that you say it that way because it, it really is. You, you can't just be accurate. You can't just be long. Like there's, there's a, there's a blend of these two things. And I think, Making that blend work for you is kind of the unique thing. So, do wait. Can I just say one quick thing, real yeah, quick? A little anecdote. It. So, yeah, the first. <laughs> yeah, if you're not, this what? is great. If you're not careful, there could be a divorce in there. That happens. That's true. <laughs> you want to watch out. That's true. Uh, but I had like a, a quick little anecdote before kind of Scott goes in into the weeds about this. Is uh, I was playing with this guy yesterday. He was brand new to the game, and he's like, he's super. He, he like, I don't know if he's seen a guy hit a really long ball ever. <laughs> Uh, he's brand new from South Korea. He's uh, studying in, at Vanderbilt. LG is, is paying for him to go study at Vanderbilt. And so he joined Franklin Bridge. And uh, he I, I hit my a drive on, what was it? Uh, two, I guess it was. I hit a drive and he goes, whoa, you're like the Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because like you spending time around me and Gene and those guys, it's like, yeah. I hit it way further than the average person, uh -huh. meaning you, but like you clearly haven't been around a tour player before because it's a whole nother animal. Well, right. Like, but I, I went to and then explain to him afterwards. I was like, listen, like it's a blessing and a curse. Like it's this is like You're right. it, when I was starting to learn the game, I think it was great for me because I learned how to be accurate really quickly or else I'm losing, you know, two dozen balls around. Right. <laughs> but like, I think, I think what I want to say here is that it doesn't matter which one's like more or less important. It's about what, what part of the game is your strength and then catering mm. to that and then working in whatever the other factor is around that. And so I don't know if you would have anything to say on that, but for yeah, me, so I had to really tame my power before I could right. really start working on uh, like the little fine details. So, but let's give it some context too. You played baseball, yeah, and at a high level, and you basically developed your power before you got to the game. Yeah, um, and the the research that's out there, uh, without making it too complicated, is if you think of like. You know those like racing games in the arcade where like you go through checkpoints like yeah you get more time if you go through a checkpoint yeah when it comes to learning speed as a kid to so starting out young if you don't learn speed really at these there's opportune windows that close so mm. if you don't hit that checkpoint you lose the ability to do that so everybody starts with the ability to have like rocket ship kind kind of power really Every I guess thing, that makes sense. Everybody starts there. Now, if you don't develop a basic window for them to, if they miss one of the first windows, which is kids throwing a ball, like just playing around at the house, throwing stuff, basic things. If they miss an early window, then that window's closed and now they're down to jet speed. Is and it then permanently after jet, closed or is it just super hard closed. to do it? No, it's permanently closed. You, you cannot exceed what you've lost. Interesting. Uh, then after that, you still get jet speed. That's a lot of speed. 
But if you don't develop speed in that window, it's gone. You don't get the fighter pilot speed. Nope. You now just get the cruiser plane speed. Or the, we'll go down another notch. We'll go to a sports car. Okay. And, and so on and so forth. So you lose those windows. So if a kid doesn't play a lot of sports growing up or hardly any, then, and they pick up the game in their 20s or 30s, they've missed all of the speed windows. They're closed permanently. Is that just for speed windows or is that for like other like accuracy or feel or anything like that? There are windows for um, suppleness, which is flexibility. There's windows for accuracy, for skill. Like there are windows that open and close. Mm. Skill is one that will stay open beyond, but once power is closed, it's done. So you can, you can increase what you have. Like, right. Like, you could take a, I'm going to use my first car ahead. You can take a Ford Focus and you can make it faster, but you're not going to make it fast. It's just, it's going to be capped. It's not going to become a Mustang. Uh You can get it close to a Mustang and maybe a Mustang that's very base level. You might be able to soup it up and get close to that, but it's never going to perform like a Mustang. Well, so now, so developing power, talking junior golf is more important to do that first then build the accuracy. Now, with that said, I also think it's really important that kids have success in the game, and that doesn't come just by hitting it far. So, well, Operation reel it, 36. Reel it back one more one more time. Now, finish your point on, like, why, for example, like, use me as that case study. Oh, so you hit all of those speed windows by the other sports that you did growing up. Got it. And so, when you came into the game, one of the things I mentioned to you is, like, we're not going to have to worry about power. You're going to hit it plenty far. Let's go accuracy first. So in your case, accuracy was the primary mover, but you already had power. So even if we drop you down a couple notches for accuracy, you're still way ahead of most. Gotcha. And so you're going to tailor what you teach first based on... And that's why from the lessons We haven't that even I've touched seen, your power stuff yet. You were only 15 months into this thing. Like, right. We won't touch power till this winter for you, taking what you have and hitting it at least as far as I do. Like, cause hey, I, I'll drive you, you on some holes. On occasion. <laughs> we'll get your 7-iron out there to 205 before too long. That's true. But, like, that's, that's coming. Yeah. The, the power component is coming for you. So, But you're going to take every individual student and figure out what your skill set is, what you've done in the past, yep. how can I best teach the game for you. And I feel mm-hmm. like that's what separates you from other golf professionals as well, is that you take uh, – you're able to better utilize what you're given as far as, like, the base – the base model Correct. and you can upgrade different parts of this quote unquote car based on what kind of skill windows they have or if they have none or all of them. Right. And you know, with, um, with some of my other juniors, I have one of, one of the other ones here. Like right now I told him like, look, you're not fast right now. You don't weigh a whole lot. Like we need to get you really accurate and get you stronger because you trying to go fast, you lose all of your accuracy, which therein lies your divorce that, we, that was alluded to, right? So, like, one will try and fight with the other. It's like, hey, man, even me trying to make you accurate right now, the body wants to go fast. It's like, we, we're going to get there, but you lose all control of your accuracy. And so, let's make, like, precision is going to be your game, at least for the short-term foreseeable future over the next 12 to 18 months. And then while we're doing that, we're going to build the speed behind the scenes. So I'm not foregoing it all together, but I'm building that back here behind the scenes. So that way, when we add it in, we don't completely miss that window because he's still, he's still in a window where he can add speed. He's not going to be, 
He's not going to be a rocket ship, but we can still make him a jet. So. And we talked, we alluded to it back in the match play episode a couple, uh, or, or last week, I guess, by the time this one comes out, um, where it's match play really exposes the fact that you don't have to hit it insanely far to be really good at this game. Right. And not right. just in a match play standpoint, but just like get it to a point in the fairway where you can knock it up. Like, it's not like you don't, that's the beautiful game about this. That's the beautiful point about this game is that you can play it your entire life and you can cater your strategy based on the kind of skills that you have. Well, and with BPN, OP and POA, we've proven that yes, driving, hit, driving it further does contribute to more money on the tour, which is funny that they say that's like, it's making the case that everybody needs to hit it further. And I love hitting it further. Like I preach hitting it further because it is an advantage in many ways. Uh, however, that doesn't mean everybody should be going out and chasing hitting it further. But that's also because you lose the accuracy. Like you have to be able to play both sides of those. Yes, but the PGA term too is understanding too that when you when you're at the PGA level, everybody is accurate. So the further and further you can get it to the Correct. closer to the green, the more and more accurate you can be, especially when you have that kind of skill set. But I would mm. would be willing to bet if they collected the same amount of data, let's just say out here at Franklin Bridge from your average person would not correlate. Right. And you would have you would have some correlation at certain moments, but mm -hmm. you wouldn't be able to make that same blanket statement across amateur golfers. Love it. So, yes is the answer to your question. I love those Accuracy lawyer answers. The lawyer answers. Yes or it depends. <laughs> it depends. How how long would you like me to write this part and charge you for billable hours? Um, <laughs> if you're any lawyers out there, I love you. So, anywho. Who's next? Who next? We need one. Yes. Brian? No. We got some uh we got some from the internet tonight too. I would love to talk about for even though this is a QA, I would love to talk really quick about um Ryder Cup post reactions. Oh yeah. Because the US destroyed They're calling Europe. it they're calling it the slaughter by the water. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Dude, I haven't heard that yet. That's they're, awesome. They're calling it the slaughter you sure by the you water. You didn't coin that term? No, I didn't. Man. Yeah. It would have been awesome if you did. I got a quote barstool on that one. That's slaughter by the water. Slaughter by the water. But and rigs lost. Yep. And I was wrong. But here's the cool part. As I continue to go back, this is the first time there's a twenty point deficit or gap gap in ranking so which is the question becomes like at what point does skill overcome like a deficit in skill can overcome or can't overcome am i making I'm, i can hear this in my head but it's not coming out of my mouth correctly Here, here's my two takeaways one the european team is broken now there's a generational gap they're they are not as good as they used to be they are – Padraig Harrington, if they were to rebuild that team in any way, shape, or form, I don't think he has any more options as far as who he picks from the European side. I mean, like, Shane Lowry made the team as a captain's pick this year and, like, performed, you know, pretty well. But, like, he, I don't think he has any other options. Like, and what I'm going to say about the U.S. I team, saying. I think the U.S. team is coming into a generational, uh, a generational time where, to be frank – I don't know if we're going to lose a Ryder Cup in the next, like, six or seven. Well, Just because these guys are so brand new. I mean, we had five, six rookies, five or six rookies, all, for the most part, uh, had, a, had a winning record. And, I mean, Dustin Johnson, 
as the old guy on the team compared to Lee Westwood, went five and zero, five zero and zero. Yep. I mean, like you're getting and, and Colin, him and Colin Morikawa, excellent pairing. The people that I thought were going to do well and didn't were JT and Spieth. Which, which I, kind of to your point about um, the skill differential of like us like being having this excelling part again like we did before 85 uh-huh. is like once Europe got added in now we didn't have the same advantage skill wise and so Europe was kind of equal with us for a long time and they beat us or if they were behind us they were a lot closer to us and so their advantages from growing up playing a lot more match play played to their favor and they were able to overcome the deficit in overall ranking and ability however now that gap is really big and I think this is what's kind of proving me wrong is like yes there were still moments in match play where the u.s screwed up and europe got to take advantage of it um but when you have that i mean it's crazy to think that it's that much different from the top 10 in the world to the top 30 in the world it's big but i have to give a shout out to my boy scotty scheffler for winning against the number one player in the world which also proves that it's not necessarily just the world rankings that's involved I mean, Scotty went out there and just threw darts the entire afternoon. Let's see what Scheffler's ranking it, was. Scotty went, he went up three up through three to start. Rom made some putts. Like, it's going to come down to it in the Ryder Cup, too. Like, you got to hit good enough shots, but you got to make some putts. If you can't make eight footers to make birdie, then, and obviously stats are not in your favor, but that's part of the pressure part of match play. Of yep. like, It feels a lot more like a, like a football game or a basketball game or tennis where there's this back and forth. It feels a lot more like that. Favorite moment from the Ryder Cup was Bryson. 417. Sorry. Yeah, well. <laughs> Sorry. That Bryson gets up on the first tee. He gets up on the first tee. They go, you know, representing the United States of America, Bryson DeChambeau. And he goes out there and just flexes with both arms, pulls driver, drives the green, Tells his caddy to immediately give him his putter, and he holds his putter up in the air as he's walking off the tee box. I <laughs> that mean, was the moment when you knew the U.S. was going to win on Sunday. Yeah. What a what a I day or what a weekend. I mean, that was the I think that was the most fun I've had watching golf too, in my entire time of of watching the sport was last weekend. So Scotty Scheffler was ranked 21st and beat the first player in the world. This is 20 shot. 20-point deficit. Yep. <clears throat> so, that was a lot of fun. I, I would say one of my takeaways is I want to see more match play. Like, even if it's not U.S. versus Ryder Cup, it's so much more thrill. Like, you're in it on every hole. Yep. When you're watching on TV, it's like, oh, okay, he's made another birdie. Okay, he's three under through nine. Well, and Rory, he's too. Two under on the back nine. Ooh. Oh, he made a birdie on 18. Woo! You know, but you only get that moment, like... It's better for the, uh, for the viewer. Yeah, but also uh, it's like not, Rory, as much money, but yeah. Rory, as soon as they lost, I mean, he won his match on Sunday. But as soon as he came off, he goes, "This is the best format in golf. This is the best tournament in golf. Like this is the best. You know, I, we everybody looks forward to this tournament every you know every time it comes around. Like this is the best tournament in golf." He said that, and it feels I could be paraphrasing from him, but I'm pretty sure that's what he said. Well, and to hear him also talk about like he really felt like he let his team down. It was earlier. emotional. Yeah, it's like now you know what it's like to play a team game and I don't think they all have to be team formatted but I would love to watch more match play it's thrilling to watch we talked about it on the last couple ones about the Ryder Cup and match play like getting to watch the 
uh, match play final here was super fun. Like, yeah, they're not tour players, but like, it's still thrilling to see this play. And there's a few strokes given here and there. Like, it's if anything, it's, it's more even fun more thrilling because to watch. because you're in at every hole. No, I think to play too. Yeah, yeah. Because you're in at every hole. We were talking about last week how you know, like when we're playing stroke play together, like. After you know five six holes, like it doesn't even get fun anymore because like well, if I'm, I'm already two down under, if I'm two under and you're four over four over I got six you shots, by six six shots where like when we played match play a couple or two weeks ago like it was just fun because every every hole like you you we have a playing. chance to win every yeah, yeah. hole which great. is the which is the cool part it was great. so well I just wanted to hear that well uh, yeah so we had two I'll, two, <clears> two read. e yeah, questions we had a couple of internet questions. as always if you guys want to submit questions and you're not going to be here on wednesday nights you can always dm scott on instagram at s golf if you have his number you can go ahead and text him if you have his email email him but um guys please 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 submit some questions because we've had some we had some great topics some, really some great conversation and some great things where like has provoked a thought that then we've used for like weeks and weeks and weeks to come so it's been super cool to have you guys uh talk about all that or have questions about anything. This may be a hard question to read. You'll have to take your... I know. I'm having to... Yeah, here we go. So, um, oh, I love this question. So, from Anon. Question I have wanted to ask about equipment, but can't make it to ask on the microphone. It is golf ball specific. I have predominantly played golf balls designed to increase visibility, i.e. yellow golf balls, uh, Callaway Truvis golf balls, uh, says he says uh, they are currently playing the yellow Titleist AVX golf ball, um, which he or she liked based on the Titleist fitting. Question is, does the color slash look of a golf ball truly help performance on the course, or is it truly comfort in equipment based on marketing? End of question. Can y'all hear the crickets in the background? <laughs> uh... I can start this off if you want. Uh, I want to figure out, like, this is going to be one of those, like, I formulate my answer as I start talking. So oh. you're going to get to hear my Classic thought Scotty. process as I go through it. Go ahead and you go ahead and uh, talk first. I was going to say, like, uh, you know, club manufacturers really develop their, you know, their equipment based on they'll say, like, you'll see when, like, specifically when TaylorMade puts out their videos of the new driver, like, the pros will put it on the ground and they'll be like, man, I really like how this looks like this is great. And they'll like the, the club manufacturers will even design the club based around what feedback they've been given from the pros in the previous year. As far as like, man, I didn't like how rounded, you know, the top of the, the club was when I looked down at it. Right. And if that if that says anything about, you know, my answer on this is that like the looks and what you enjoy playing is so so important whether it's uh whether it makes a difference in your statistics or not like just based off pure data it's one of those things where look good look good feel good play good kind of scenarios right where like if i'm looking down at this one golf ball like and i know it's going to react the way it is or if i'm looking down at my club and i really love the way it looks or you know the rusted face versus chrome versus matte versus anything like that like it is all truly uh, specific to the player and it doesn't have to be based off of just data and what the ball does afterwards. Cause if you're confident in your shot, you're going to be, you're obviously going to execute more often. Um, I I'm glad that was actually like an incredibly like, I don't want to make you sound dumb, but like 
that that's the kind of answer you would hear from like a seasoned golf professional. Like that was really, I think it's kind of neat to, to hear that. It kind of helped me kind of put, pull my thoughts together a little bit. Um, tying that answer, I think there's a lot of validity to what you just said, uh, to club fitting, uh, getting to either fit high level players or be around club fittings for high level players and watching it. The numbers may be absolutely perfect. The ball performance is incredible. Um, it may be just ever so slightly better than the next, than the next, the previous generation, the previous shaft that was used. Like yeah. two shafts, maybe just have tiny minor differences between them. And he's like, I just don't like the feel of it. I don't like the look of it. I don't like the feel of it. But like the numbers are so much better. It performs so much better. But you, we're not robots. We're humans, and so we have emotions and we have feelings, and so. Like, if you like the look of those, and there is some data, it's it's kind of hit and miss. It's like one of those studies that's like, you know, drinking a glass of wine prevents heart disease, and then you'll read another study that says it doesn't. So it's one of those that's kind of like a toss-up. Um, I think it's worth trying different things. Like, trying a different golf ball is, like, one of the things that I'm totally okay with people trying. But don't just, like, try it one time and go, oh, I don't like it. Um, one of my favorite things to do is like if you're looking for a ball that's longer off the tee, hit hit one of each ball and alternate which one you hit first, and play them out and see which one ends up longer throughout the day. Like that's something you don't have to have fancy technology to figure out which one's longer. You know what just came to my mind too mm-hmm. is uh, especially when it comes to equipment is acoustics as well. Ooh, yeah, absolutely. acoustics from the golf clubs. <laughs> like for example, Taylor made with their newest lineup of Sims. They like. Or I guess the not this current model, but the previous model when they were making like the huge design, they wanted to make sure it sounded exactly like a forged iron. And they even like uh, blindfolded the the pros and were like, "Tell me if they hit the gave improvement iron or if they hit the uh, the player's iron." Or yeah, I have that. Well, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and so they they blindfolded them, and the, and the tour pros couldn't tell. Out of all the thousands of, or millions of shots that they've heard from all different types of club manufacturers, all different kinds of whatever, like TaylorMade got the sound right. They even hired acoustics engineers to do it. And so, like, well, that's just being they're, another. They're understanding the human factor right. into hitting. And so I think that's a, I think that's so, so important is being able to uh, like your product because also – it doesn't matter what the track man says on the practice tee, right? It matters when you're hitting your approach shot on 18 for your PR to put it, you know, three feet next to the pin. Or just on the green. Or just on the green. You <laughs> <laughs> can do that too. Uh, that's when it matters. And if you're not you're if right. you're not comfortable with your stuff, it doesn't matter if the numbers are perfect on the practice tee. If you don't like the way it looks, you're going to then have bad bad thoughts in your head, which is going to lead to a horrible swing, which means right. you're going to put it in the water here on 18 and Franklin Bridge. With, with that said, if you do have a product that's significantly underperforming, whether that be a ball or a club, you should consider something different. Mm. There's, prob- there's enough different options out there for you to at least experiment and try. So, Love that. Um, no, that's good. What's, there's another one. We have one here. more. Here Somebody else have a question from the audience? Come on up. Oh, Princess does. Yes. This will be good. We'll, we'll fill in. Good, good. She always has great questions, by the way. And she is a busy bee right now. Okay, first we'll go back to Ryder Cup. And we talked about this Solheim Cup needs to go at the same time because it's so exciting and it will grow everybody. So my interest in, in your what you think about the Scott this year specifically we've been working on this coming up to the Ryder Cup 
the Europeans had this little arm in, it, in this arsenal, and it just always worked. And we've got a young team now. But people like you that have been growing junior golf in the States, um, Tiger Woods, the effect, our team has gotten really strong over the years. And I think that this is the beginning of us seeing this. Do you think we'll continue to dominate like this? Because I don't think that Europe is progressing at the same level in junior high school and collegiate golf that the United States is. And on the golf ball, I just got to say, it's awesome. If you like yellow, hit it. But hit it all the time. Um, when I worked for a university-owned club, we had to separate the balls. And they finally figured out, too, the team had to practice with what they were playing to sort it out. So don't, don't play with what you got free every time or what's on sale because it's going to react differently on the greens. So anyway, have fun. I like the idea of Ryder Cup and Solheim Cup being like back-to-back -back weekends. Or, or together on the same week. Together on the same week because it, it's, it's just wide open it's gonna, the whole It's going to ruin viewership. If you want to grow the viewership, you have to have it on back-to-back -back weeks so that you can have t the same viewers on. Yeah, you got to have the same viewer. You have to have the same viewers on back-to-back -back weekends so they can watch both. So I, I, think, I think you can put them together. I, because, because here's the thing. Like there's a ton of dead time. Like... And I, I think you'll get, like, the game. Here's, here's one of the conversations I've had with some other. I look at it from a business perspective, not necessarily, like, the viewership yeah. or the no, most no. fun. I think having it on the same week would be, like, would be sick. I just think, I'm, just, I, I'm thinking about it from a sponsorship position, from a business position, from a, from a cable perspective, like, what all it's going to be. Well, so, so for, to grow women's golf, though, to put women's golf on the same week as the men's golf would grow the women's game because you'd have the viewership from the men's golf. So for, from totally, that perspective, totally. I think that would help, which we want to do. Oh, my gosh. There's, yeah, you're right. Yeah, there's just there's so much dead because there's only there's only four groups playing at a time, like that's that's yeah I I think you're right I don't think they'll do it like like they at least need to make a move in that direction by going at least back to back if you don't if that's too much of a jump you know there's the how many people are you gonna upset by trying to do it like then which right. which doesn't matter but. It's just the way things work. Like, well, and two, we it have would a be podcast great about for this. it would be great for them to put them back to back to start, and then maybe eventually start to merge them together. Yeah, like I, I'd love to see them both together because we have a whole. Like, we have three podcasts oh, about this. Dude. Okay, those two matches are over. There, and what? Now we got these two guys to watch over here. Like, and from, how? Like, I, I just, I think it. It's a conversation that's been talked about on social the last week, and I think it's worth doing. What was the other question? Oh, yeah, you camp out on 18, yep. and nobody gets there. Yep. Um, so I'll say this. I, I think I want to say that, yes, the U.S. is going to grow faster, but if you're looking at recruiting – I think there's another wave of Europeans coming. Totally agree. Because there's a lot of schools. Like uh, I was talking to, um, look at East Carolina and Duke University really quick. I Pull mean, those I, up. Because like, they have so many European players. I even have a personal, a personal connection to one of my friends who played at, at Tennessee. 
who uh, he's from England and he's coming into professional golf. And I think just like I think just like any any you look at anything, you look at the you know the stock market, you look at you know golfers, you look at uh, the housing market, whatever it is. Like it, as soon as one generation ends another one starts to begin now nothing yeah. it doesn't it doesn't matter like it, the 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 time delay of those two generations you know starting and ending is obviously you know uh there's obviously going to be a gap but there's you're definitely going to see like we're talking about with these other colleges coming into fruition and starting to produce more players and i just think that the u.s you know we talked about the generational gap in the past uh you know all we've only run two won two rider cups in the last in this century right where we're finally seeing our U.S. recruits come into fruition. Right, right. It's just Europe's going to have one of those. I think we have. A, as I well. think we have a wave. I think we can ride this wave for a number of years, maybe maybe ten, so five Ryder Cups, and then I think you're going to see that gap diminish based on volume of European players coming to the U.S. for the best training and best coaching. Yep. So they're kind of taking advantage of what we've had, and guess what? There's a a much higher percentage of Americans, we're probably 10 years off from the next European wave, which yeah. is why you're hearing Cantley say, like, we might see the next. Um, I mean, what's the best European player we've seen? Hovland. He's the, he's the youngest European player that we've seen kind of come into fruition. There's really nobody there's else really nobody young. Else. You got Rory and Rom, but, like... Rory's getting old. He just, yeah, he is. He just looks young, right? But yep. Rory, Rory's talking about... He's, he's been, been out in there six a long Ryder time. Cups now. Yeah. So he's been out there for a long time. At least 15 years. Yep. 12 years if you're yep. talking about Ryder Cup time, but like at least 15, 20 years he's been playing the game I think I think we're going to see us continue to dominate for a little while, and yep. then it'll get tough again. Uh, quick note on that too, though, is that I feel like sometimes we don't necessarily see the Europeans come into fruition because they're not like developing it in the homeland per se. But all of those European kids come to the United States to come play on United States college teams. So it's like it's not that they don't exist. It's just they're here, you know. Right, and they're being developed right now. Yeah. Uh, so we've got to be careful. So we're gonna we're gonna lose again. I don't want to lose anymore. Nineteen to nine. What'd you what'd you call the it? The slaughter by the water. Man, that's great. All right. Internet question. Internet question. That was a good question. There. Come back a uh, little. Back and like forth thing. I, I love that. We I need, love back we need and forth. Fight more on this. I, I love back and forth thing so much. I'm gonna uh, lose in a fist fight, by the way, <laughs> or wrestling. I would lose. Uh, question two. I win in a foot race. Sorry, okay, I got okay you. Mr. I got Longlegs. <laughs> we have talked about faster. Uh, excuse me. We have talked about. Whoa, okay, there's, there's a typo in here. Sorry, I'm going to paraphrase this. We have talked about swinging faster to generate more distance. Please describe the... This question could have been written a lot better here. Sorry to whoever wrote this. Uh, I'm going to read it exactly how he's, it's said. I know, okay? who, I know who it is, and he's going to hear this on the podcast. Sorry. Going, oh, man. I don't want to say He's say in the my name, Cracking but, the Code program this winter. Uh, okay, I'm going to say it exactly here. how it's written. We have talked about swing faster to generate more distance. Please describe the difference is swing faster and swing harder. Differences between okay, swinging there faster we go. and it, swinging It was probably harder. like sent from my iPhone. So <laughs> <laughs> there's, let me just, let me give you a um, kind of visual. Can you, can you paraphrase the question before we start? Yeah. So he's asking like we need to get to the point where he can swing faster, but what's the difference between swinging faster and swinging harder? 
Ah, there we go. So I want I want us to think about it this way. Like if we are going um if we're going to move, let's say a dresser at your house and you got it on sliders, that requires you to tense all your muscles at a high level and really push. That requires a hard, high tense effort in your muscles. Now, muscles have to be tense to move fast. They have to be tension there to move fast. However, if you look at sprinters, the fastest sprinters in the world, you'll actually see the muscles themselves will kind of, the skin and the will kind of jiggle and shake as they run because there's tension in the muscle in the legs and the arms, but there's, it's faster, it's speed, not, they're not trying to move something really heavy. And so you can move fast without moving hard, and that requires muscles that are softer. A tight muscle is a slow muscle by and large. Well, when you're moving a dresser, you don't want it to move fast. When you're a, when you're an, That's a great off, analogy. When you're an offensive lineman, you don't need to move fast. Right. You need to hold the other guy still or maneuver him a little bit. Now, if you're in different defensive positions, you may want to move fast to get in and sack the quarterback, whatever. But like, if you're an offensive lineman, you are not trying to move fast. You're trying to hold people in positions. That's hard. A running back's trying to move fast. Like They're not the same. But that's also why the best and this might be a little bit of a stretch here, but the best defensive linemen are able to be big but also be quick because they're able to then figure out, I need to be able to use this, this like stagnant strength in order to be like super strong and sturdy. To but maneuver. I, I can also be, use a swim move and be quick but nimble in order to get around these guys to get to the quarterback. And in that case, the amount of tension in the muscle changes. And if you want a good, if you're, if you're, Riding with this football example that that we're giving here, it's if you football season. Why not? Go watch, go watch uh, Jeffrey Simmons highlight tape. This guy is massive, but he moves like a cat. It is crazy. But going back to swing speeds, how does that affect the golf swing? Well, again, we're back to the specifics of like how do you need to swing faster? Right. Um, I actually just got a text from one of my uh, uh, aspiring tour players. He's He's on some of the mini tours. I'm talking aspiring PGA Tour player. He's like, um, okay, uh, just hit a six iron over the green from 196, like airtime. So he's never hit a six iron 205 to 210 in the air. And so that's, a, that's one of the things we're working on. But how I'm getting him to produce speed is different than Daniel who's sitting here and how he produces speed. Both of them, I'm trying to get them to go faster and hit it straighter at the same time. We're actually doing, we're putting both side by side, but to kind of separate out how they do it is different, but both to produce more speed. Um, Daniel's producing more tension in the backswing. Elijah's producing more tension in the forward swing, but not in the sense of like, hey, we're trying to move a truck. We're trying to push something heavy, if that makes sense. So there's a distinction and the specificity of that is, is unique. So one more, we got time for one more. We got time for one more. Come on. We'll take, I'll take a parent question. Come on, parents. Come ask me a question. <laughs> I got a couple parents. I have, I have three parents in the room. Well, I have, I have five. My parents are here too. <laughs> so a parent question. Come on. I, I am going to wait. I'm going to call you out like your kids get called out in school. 
Somebody's got a question. Um, I'm trying to think of a question that I had somebody asked me this I was week. Let's say you working with you know Nike Junior Golf and what Project Thirty Six. Yeah, Operation Thirty Six. Operation Thirty Six. You have a lot of experience with working with parents. Give yeah. us a, a give us a, a a piece of advice on the junior side, where parents it, are not off the hook. By the way, parents are not off the hook. You're here. getting some time to come up with a question. I'm filling time for you, parents. Like I do it for Scott all the time. This is the <laughs> thanks. This is this is y'all's time to be thinking. Um, but when you, when you're talking about like parents and, and juniors and that relationship, I go, what is what is the best example? of a parent who's supporting a junior golfer what are they doing right what are they doing wrong what are some things that you think that they uh could improve on the single best thing i've ever heard a parent do or watched a parent do and i've heard this from multiple coaches is the only thing you need to say to your child when it comes to them actually playing their sport you're there to watch them play i'm not talking about you know basic discipline, other things behind the scenes. But even, even in that, it's, you don't want to do much. It's, I love to watch you play. You're there to watch them play a game that hopefully they enjoy and fall in love with. You're not there to make yourself look good. You were trying to provide them opportunities to find something that they enjoy doing. And saying I love to watch you play is actually very motivating to a kid. Um, you know, being supportive of them and excited for them regardless of whether they play good or bad because what happens unintentionally, uh, some people do it intentionally, but a lot of times it's unintentional. When you praise them for doing well and you kind of ignore them when they play bad, what you're saying is I only care about you when you play well. So who you are is tied to your performance. It's not tied to who you are. Now, that's unintentional for a lot of parents, but it's, it's a pattern you want to really avoid and watch for um you know they'll go through different times of what they enjoy and what they don't enjoy what they like what they don't like different times of motivation um and look they're the whole frontal lobe and um the prefrontal cortex doesn't develop till you're in your mid-20s really and so like are they going to lack motivation in certain areas yes that's part of them being a kid like so be supportive in the sense of saying, I love to watch you play. Ask them questions. Ask them what they felt like they messed up on. And don't even give your input. Just kids are awesome learners. And I've learned a lot as a teacher and a coach about teaching and coaching other people, adults, college players, whatever, by just watching and listening and observing my juniors. Some of the most profound things I've learned about core strategy has come from watching kids play PGA Junior League that have played golf for two months. And if you put them on an 18 hole course from the full set of tees, they probably wouldn't break 200. Like some of the most profound things I've learned is from that. So kids are learners. We can learn from them. I would even say this, let them fix your golf swing. Let them take what they're learning and try and apply it to you. Part of them learning is being able to show them. Like I'm watching Daniel at five and Nora Grace at three right now. He's like, daddy, let me show you how to do this. Like, I know how to do this. Like, I know how to do a somersault, right? He's in gymnastics right now. Like, I know how to do a somersault, but he wants to teach and coach me. He's excited about what he's learning, and he's wanting to share that. Now, that you want to maintain that as long as you can. And if you can keep that atmosphere of I love to watch you play, 
and engage with what they're teaching you, shoot, you, you know what? You might be able to do a somersault. Like, I can do a somersault. It's just a long way for those legs to flip around. <laughs> so, and that ground's really far down there. So, that's right. Uh, oh, that hurt. You didn't do it right, Dad. I'm clearly, I, I know I didn't do that right. So, Daddy, you can do a cartwheel. Uh, Dad, I try. You can do a cartwheel. That's not how you do it. Do it like this. And just so, like, he can't do a cartwheel either, but he thinks he can do a cartwheel. He's like, Dad, I know how to do a cartwheel. Like, let me show you. I was like, well, your feet aren't all the way up. He's like, yeah, but I can do it better. So it's neat to see he's loving it. I'm not, not teaching him anything. So I'm letting his teachers do the teaching. So come on. And you can't hide behind my parents either. <laughs> it's like, are his parents going to come up and ask first? All right, we got one. Justin. All right, obviously this is a extremely difficult game from a mental standpoint. How do you try to keep them calm and not believe that one hole can wreck a round? We had uh we had one of these questions Two weeks ago, I think, from Daniel. Yeah, some, we've had something similar. We have a lot of Daniels. Have you realized that? I have. I have a Daniel. We have Daniel Martin here, and then we have Daniel Schust. Did I say your last name right? Uh, here. So we have, th- we have so many Daniels. I'm trying to keep them all Are in there check any other online. Daniels out there? Um, so I, I'm still going to come back to my previous comment of I love to watch you play. You want to keep that theme through the, throughout? Um, the, the other thing that I, okay, so I actually sat down with some parents, um, I think I told you about this off, off air, um, this is about two and a, two months ago, because during the summer we had, uh, a young, a young boy, I think he's 11, was in my summer camp, and his parents, his dad actually listens to the podcast and was curious about the mental side. And I sat down with the parents and just like, he gets super upset. He was really good. Like shoots 31, 32 in these super young junior stuff at six, seven, eight, nine. And he's not performing like that anymore. And he gets super upset on the golf course. And without giving all the situations that happened there, um, he, uh, I essentially told him, I said, what's happening is your kid feels embarrassed and doesn't know how to navigate all those emotions yet. So kids, adults do it too, but they let the limbic system run the show, which is your emotion center. So all your, your fight or flight. Um, so that whole part of your brain, you know, is your emotions. They're not using this frontal cortex. I think we talked, um, talked about this a little bit with some of the CTC people this summer. And, what you really want to do is enter into that emotion with them. Like, hey, man, what's that feel like? Which seems kind of weird. Like, whether it's a boy or a girl, like, you want to be tough, you know? And part of being tough is helping them, like, figure out what that emotion is. So um, we've used the, the stop, drop, and roll example here. Like, when, when those emotions are like that, you can't speak rationally to it. It's impossible. And so what's, what's happening is like they're on fire. Think of it that way. 
and we do it as adults too. Like you're on fire. Like we've got to put the fire out if we want to be able to do anything. So the first thing to do is stop. Well, how do we stop the fire with a kid? As an as a parent, the best thing you can do to begin to put the fire out, it doesn't actually put it out, but it's to come next to them and kind of help them like, hey man, what are you frustrated about? The answer's obvious why they're frustrated, right? But they'll be able, they'll begin to kind of talk about like, I just feel like I'm never going to be able to do this. Or I feel really embarrassed, like we're playing with these two other people because you get paired out here a lot of times. Like, I just feel really embarrassed playing with, these other people like I'm hitting it bad I'm slowing everybody down like you'll get to the answer and letting them dialogue instead of trying to stop it lets them learn how to navigate that emotion and so rather like if you just try and stop it they never learn how to navigate through it they just learn how to stuff it and then it actually gets worse over time Um, you see it in college it turns into throwing clubs breaking clubs being a terrible teammate um uh, depression, anxiety, you kind of, those are more severe cases of it. Uh, but my best piece of advice there would be move close to them when they're emotional like that. Um, there are certain breaches of like a thrown club is like, Hey, we're going to sit in the cart until you can calm down. Don't yank them off the golf course. Cause they're going to feel super embarrassed. Let make them sit next to you. So they don't think you're leaving them. Because when you create abandonment, you actually take that emotion and you, you added fuel to the fire. Um, and in the situation I'm describing with one of the parents is the kid got super emotional on the golf course. He ca- he's caddying for him. And he pulled him out of the tournament right in the middle of the tournament, like in the middle of the round. Relationships made it hard not only for him to come towards you, but he also made it harder for him to come towards his friends, and now he's abandoned all alone. Like, that's... I said, you can repair it. You only did that once. It's like... If you had a repeat pattern of that, now you got a problem. I think the best thing that my parents did for me was like, if I was struggling out, whether it was the court, the field, speaking, I only played like baseball and basketball growing up. Those were my two big ones. They would just let me suffer through it. They just let me suffer through it. Cause like in the end, when you leave practice or when you leave the game or whatever it was, I have to diagnose all of those feelings for myself. And I, when, I, you, when you add, yeah. and, and granted, I'm not a parent, so I don't know how well I can really add on this, but like... You've been a kid, though. Yeah, but when you pull when you pull those kids away from that environment, now they're having to navigate multiple variables. Now they have to figure out how they fix their sport and then how they fix like their relationship with, with you. Well, with, you with the parent the and yeah. with the sport, too. Yeah. But if you suffer all the way through it, you're, I mean, it's just like anything else that anybody that we do as adults is like when you suffer through it, you learn how to figure out not to suffer anymore. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think that's dead on. Um, it's, it's tough because you want to help them. Mm-hmm. And the best thing you can do to help them is actually move towards them. Don't try and shut it off. Just ask them questions. Asking questions is usually the best thing to do, especially when they're old enough. Like how old is your son? He's 12. Right. So he's headed into that puberty phase too, where now the emotions are definitely going to be on fire. And so 
just want to move towards him as best you can. Uh, try to avoid moments where you're going to embarrass him because here's the other thing. When they're upset, you start to get upset. Like, it, it breeds. And so now, now you got two people on fire. Like, the job of the adult is to make sure that everybody in the group doesn't catch fire. <laughs> like, my... <laughs> right. So dad catches fire quickly, right? So he's caught some of it from you. You actually help each other by moving towards him in that. So, because you're frustrated because he's frustrated. And like you want to, like you want to help. And so there's a certain amount of empathy that comes with like sharing in the frustration. But if two of you are super frustrated, then neither of you can help each other. So, anywho, that was my long answer to that question. That's a fantastic question. That was a great way, I think, to, to wrap up this podcast because we're about to approach an hour. We haven't done here. an hour-long one on a Q&A in a while. We haven't, no. That's fun. we got to keep it for the video, too, so we don't run out of... So it's easy you, to... You edit. have, like, 4 million gigabytes on that thing. <laughs> Not that much. <laughs> so... Well, we're going to wrap it up here from the back porch of Franklin Bridge. As always, make sure you follow Scott on Instagram. I think that Scott is the most available golf pro that... I've ever met or seen. If you have his email, email him a question. If you have his phone number, text him a question for the podcast on Wednesdays. If you're uh, on Instagram, make sure that you follow him on Instagram and submit a question on in his DMs. That's the best way to get him is on DMs and the best way that we'll see it. So make sure that you guys are doing that because it's super fun to have y'all's questions and answer them on the podcast. So great, great episode. Watch out for the pre-order for the book as well. That is huge. That'll be coming up soon. I'm sure we'll make a huge deal out of that. So make sure, make sure, make sure that you stay tuned for any of those coming as well as download the Franklin Bridge Performance app. We're going to start investing heavily into that as well coming into the 2022 season, uh, which is going to be super exciting. Course is going to look beautiful. Uh, the clubhouse is going to be awesome. Brooks is doing awesome things, as you guys can see. Club championship coming up. Uh, the Bear Tournament, which is always a fan favorite here at Franklin Bridge. So make sure that you're tuned in to the nervous system at Franklin Bridge to check all that stuff out. So from Scott and Jack here on the back porch of Franklin Bridge, we'll see you on the next one. Peace. Thanks, y'all, for listening to this episode of the Champions Playbook. As always, you can find us anywhere that you guys are. So uh, make sure to check out Scott on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of the above. His Instagram is at Golf. That's two S's and two E's. So make sure to go and check out everything that he's got going on over on his Instagram page. Uh, as well as make sure you follow Franklin Bridge. Uh, Franklin Bridge puts out some great things as well, and we want to make sure that we support them because they support us. So as always... Feel free to come by the back porch of the Persimmon Pub at 7 p.m. on Wednesdays to come and listen to us talk golf. So book a late afternoon round of golf, and then afterwards, come on inside, get some food, some drinks. Uh, we got some specials going on. We had some $5 flatbread pizzas. We had some amazing chicken tacos, as well as drink specials going on all night long. So make sure to support the Persimmon Pub as well when you come out. We would love to see you guys. We do one episode and then a live Q&A and then another episode. So from 7 to 9 on Wednesdays, we hope to see you soon, and we'll see you on the next one. Peace.